0: Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week. I am very happy to be sharing this conversation with you today. Because joining us for this episode are Ian and Brittany Bentley, the founders of Parker Clay. If the name Parker Clay rings a bell, that's because you may have come across some of their products before. Parker Clay is a leather goods brand that carefully crafts premium leather bags that are designed in California and made in their factory in Ethiopia. The company's mission is to provide fair employment and empower women in Ethiopia to become economically independent and free from exploitation. As husband and wife and founders of Parker Clay, Ian and Brittany have dedicated themselves to creating sustainable leather products that are locally sourced and honor traditional Ethiopian craftsmanship. So today, I'm going to be speaking with them about how Parker Clay came to be, their time spent living and working in Ethiopia, and the work they're doing through the company to help at-risk women. So let's get into it. You know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Ian and Brittany, like I said, I am so excited to have you both on and to chat about the incredible work you've done with Parker Clay, your company. So I was talking about it in your intro, but for those who don't know, you're a husband and wife and you're the founders of the company Parker Clay, which is a sustainable leather brand. And I think I'm personally curious to hear about a lot of different things, how you founded the company how you managed to maneuver it throughout the pandemic, and then also just your mission and your sort of the focuses that you you harness um, with the company and your your mission statements and the different things that are really central to, I guess, your ethos, your company ethos. So I'm excited to chat about that, but passing the mic over to you both, how are you both doing? Summer is sort of over, now we're entering into fall. How has everything been on your end?
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a mix. So we have five kids. And so um, we just sent at the end of uh, summertime our daughter off to college for the first time. Um, so she's going to be going to Loyola. And so we have four kids still at home and just moving from the summer routine into basically jumping right into Q4 season, right? It's uh, busy planning for the holidays and launching a bunch of products. So staying busy.
2: It is It is super busy. And Catherine, thanks for having us. We're excited yeah. to to be on and share a little bit more about you know what we do and how we do it. And yeah, life is very full for us, no doubt. Um, busy on many fronts as parents, as husband, wife, as entrepreneurs. Um, we've been waking up early going to the gym, which has been a fun change. But trying to, you know, gotta gotta take care of yourself as well.
0: (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard, especially when I can't even imagine five kiddos i can't even imagine dealing (laughs) with. like i i feel like i'm just hard enough to handle just on my own and then sort of trying to handle you know five other lives as well Uh, i major props for you both (laughs) um and then you have this on top of all you have this incredible company so like i said i'm really interested in the founding of it i know speaking of kids i know your kids some of your kids played into the sort of the founding of it um and i i'd love for you to sort of share the story of how you both came together and just developed this brand yeah it, yeah it
1: started really in um 2010 we had two boys parker and clay they were both very little and um we from there we were like deciding if we wanted to be finished having kids two is great but we really um wanted to adopt. And so that kind of helped us pursue our next journey in life. And um, we were looking at a lot of different options of what would be best for our family. And I've always been very interested in international adoption, just because I had a lot of friends um, growing up that were adopted internationally. And so we were looking at Ethiopia. And, um, you know, fast track through a year of paperwork and um, just challenges emotionally, we We're matched with a beautiful little girl and we're heading to Ethiopia for the first time to meet her. Uh, We just had life-changing experiences when we were in Ethiopia, fell in love with the country. And we're just like, what can we do to continue to help? Because, you know, adopting one child is amazing. One life is just like having her join our family is life-changing for her. But, you know continuing adopting as one child at a time and how can we help the birth moms help, how can we help vulnerable women in Ethiopia, um, you know, create and create opportunities there. So.
2: And I I would say actually before 2010, Brittany and I actually met in high school. So we go way back and, you know, so we've been together a long time and this, the journey of our careers, our kids, um, you know, Buying our first house—I mean, all these things—and and Ethiopia was really a significant shift in our in our story. Um, you know, one one that we didn't really anticipate happening that way. And there was just something powerful when we heard the statistic of 160 million orphans in the world. And I think often today we hear these big, giant statistics, but you, if you can't personalize it, if there's no face or there's no name behind it, it's really hard to kind of connect to it. And that was when we're hearing those things and we're seeing Parker and Clay playing in front of us it's like hold on if that was Parker or Clay that would change everything you know and that really like is what brought us to Ethiopia to adopt our daughter and you know after bringing her home and and ultimately kind of looking at how we could get more involved in the country and we talked to everyone that we could to try to see what was the biggest need there and over and over again we kept meeting uh, specifically women who said hey we don't want handouts like we are capable strong women we can do things we just need that opportunity and that was what ultimately led us to kind of you know in a crazy way buying one way tickets for our entire family and moving to Ethiopia in 2012 to help partner and work with these women to to do job training and skills training um and i remember you know Brittany and i like standing at the airport going are we crazy like This might be the craziest thing we've ever done. and
1: Condensing our lives to, you know, 10 to 15 bins, bringing them over there. It's a big change.
2: But it turned out to be the best. I mean, it really has in so many ways. And, um, you know, and then it was there. we, We actually didn't even move to Ethiopia to start Parker Clay. We moved to help support these women. And it was while we lived there that we discovered the leather industry and ultimately started Parker Clay.
0: Yeah, I I loved so much. One of the reasons why I was so inspired to have you both on is because I was just genuinely so inspired by your story to start the company, and I think there's something really beautiful about sort of having your children, um, Parker and Clay. Having them and then the adoption process of your daughter, like what a beautiful thing! And then to have this company be such a byproduct of that and what you really saw in your children and raising your children, I think that's really, really beautiful. And um, you brought up, uh, you both brought up, sort of helping empower women, and I know that's a very big part of your mission and, and what you both really set out to do with this company. So, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about that, I have, um, you know, a statistic that over two 200- hundred employees and in the factory in Ethiopia that you um you know started up and 96 of those employees are women and 61 of those women um have been hired out of exploitation. So I'd love to hear more about why, you know, hearing your sort of process with going to Ethiopia and sort of replanting yourselves over there and being um sort of really immersing yourselves in a new culture and a new society. What made you sort of empowering women through the brand, what made that such a big focus for you, I,
2: I If I can jump in, I think the, you know, the piece that we recognized is that women in uh, a lot of countries, but in a country like Ethiopia are reinvesting 90% of their incomes back into their families and communities. And unfortunately, men are more like 40%. And it's, you know, so what we saw is, And it's no surprise women are really just such a a strength to the community and they they put so much back into into their kids into their families into their communities and so we knew that was a a critical place to focus on And, and those were often the most vulnerable in those communities as well and so if you can kind of address that problem it really gets to the the beginning of what becomes systemic and so many you know problems of society and so We knew we wanted to create, you know, those opportunities specifically for women. And they're incredible. Like they are so talented, so brave, so strong, you know, from even just if you looked at it from a for-profit business standpoint, these are the types of employees you want to hire. Like these are the types of people that you want to build a business around. Um, so in a way, it's not, you know, I think sometimes we think it's a charity or a nonprofit, and really it's, hey, we can do something really impactful with purpose, but we can also still focus on profit and growing a business. Um, but I think for us, you know, working with these women, hearing their stories firsthand, seeing how their lives are changed, hearing the stories of how their kids who are going to school, going to college, their communities are being transformed because they have a a strong job where they're taken care of and they can give back. I mean, it's, it's the best. It's just the best part about it.
1: Yeah. And it's really cool when we have um, women coming over from the nonprofit we partnership with and they come over in different groups um, every six months, we have a a new level of um, like stitcher one stitcher two, like we have different levels in our factory and so, when we get a new group of uh, women, it's really amazing that the past group of women that have been through that first level can mentor them as well and share kind of like the benefit of having a job like this and being able to support each other's um, children and you know school aspects. And we saw that like just living there ourselves and moving to a country um, without knowing the language at the time, without having really any great connections. We were greatly supported by everyone. Our kids were there at the nonprofit or there at the factory, like almost every day. And it was, it was really beautiful for our family just to be surrounded by that community.
0: Definitely. And, you know, Ian, to your point that you mentioned earlier, I think what, what's really important about what you said is like, it's not centered around handouts, right? It's just centered around shining a light on people and giving people an opportunity and creating a space for a lot of people that are underrepresented. And I think when it comes to the workforce, even just here in the United States um, that's such a key factor, right? It's just creating a space for people. It's not, you know, doing chair. I mean, don't get me wrong. Charity is great and, certain aspects. Um, but when it comes to work, it's, it's solely about just creating opportunity and creating a space for people and just trying to fill that, fill that space up with all different voices and all different types of individuals. So I, I loved that aspect. And I just wanted to, to note on that. Um, but then in terms of product, right. So I'd love to, to, to shift into product as well. Um, what? Because I know before starting the business, neither of you were sort of in the <laughs> the leather industry, and when it came yeah. to um, bags and, and everything, um, neither of you were really in that industry. So I'd love to hear how that sort of came about to create, you know, sustainable leather.
1: Yeah. I mean, we kind of wanted to combine our skill sets, I guess, Ian in business and myself in design, but neither of us had designed a bag. We definitely know what we like and um, we kind of learned what Ethiopia was best at, their skill sets. And so we, we merged those, but um, we saw a lot of the raw leather going out of the country. So we thought, hey, why not get this beautiful leather with the employment needs, put it together and be able to create a beautiful finished product in the country. At the time, there was a lot of nonprofits that were selling um, small like token items in order, you know, to create a more sustainable situation for themselves. And we really wanted a beautiful product that people would want to buy, whether it was for good or not um, that they Purely just wanted to buy that product because they love it, and that would make us the most sustainable. Um, But how amazing it, you know, that you can buy a beautiful product that also is providing this employment and um, these other goods for the women.
2: I think that, and just to add to that, you know, when we moved to Ethiopia in 2012, really the 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 leading model at the time of kind of this give back or you know more of a profit purpose model was was like a Tom shoes. And I give them a lot of credit for pioneering in industry. We know that, that there, weren't, there were some things that weren't so good about that as well, but when that happened and then something else happened in 2013, there was a factory in Bangladesh that collapsed and it killed 1,135 people. And that was significant because the world, this was front page news and the world woke up kind of looking at the tags of their shirts going, wait, were my clothes made there? And so this whole movement around like conscious consumerism and where things are made, how things are made started to be a conversation. And that conversation has continued and really picked up momentum over the years. And so that's something that's not going away. And, you know, for us, what we wanted to create, like Brittany said, was something that wasn't a trinket, something that wasn't this kind of charity purchase. But, you know, brands like Louis Vuitton and Gucci and these high-end brands have been around for a long time. And yet, where are those products made? How are they made? And I think that there's these elite premium brands in the world that you kind of buy from a status symbol. And now consumers are shopping their values more than ever before in the history of the world. And those values have changed. Those values are about sustainability, about efficacy, about you know, injustice and in making things happen. And you don't wanna compromise on those things, but you also don't wanna compromise on looking good And I think that that's where Parker Clay exists to kind of say, you don't need to compromise, that we can be at this intersection where you can both do good and look good at the same time. And I think that's something that most consumers would say, yeah, I'm in it. I'm in. I just don't know how to find those types of brands, Um, you know? And so we really feel excited about continuing to kind of project and get the voice out there that you can. You can both look good and do good. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you both brought up really excellent points there. And it it just made me think, like, I think there used to be actually a show, um, maybe it's still on, but it's like how it's made or how stuff is made. And I wish there was a version of that that was like more of an expose, right? And really showing like the undercover, because as you both just pointed out, so much goes on behind the scenes that consumers are just not aware of, right? Um, And I think more and more... people, at least I am, I'm hearing the term fast fashion, right? And you have these big, huge companies mass producing everything. at such a cheap cost. And a lot of times it's most of the time fast fashion. It's manufactured outside of the United States. So I'm curious then with, in terms of s- sustainability and creating products and having a factory outside of the U S has that been something just over the years is like I said, terms of like fast fashion and then what is sustainable and all these different things. Has that been something that's been more and more, obviously sustainability has always sort of been at the forefront. Um, But have you found that even more, more so over the past few years?
2: I I think it's a conversation that, you know, it's not a moment. It's a movement for sure. Right. This isn't just like, Oh, this, this will go away. People will get over that. Um, You know, and the reality is, is most of, the clothes and the items that we consume and, you know, and use are made abroad, right? And uh, many of them come from Asia. And so I think that we we haven't really questioned this for a really long time and we now are, right? We're now much more aware and, you know, and there is more visibility into these supply chains and things like that. We're uh, a certified B Corp. And so we've had to go through, you um, you know, every few years we've got to go through and get reevaluated with our practices and, and demonstrate really that we do what we say we do. And I think that's a great thing as accountability, um, you know, is something that's important. And just recently, actually the last, last year and this year, we were ranked best for the world out of B Corps, which gave us, you know, kind of top 5% of all B Corps in the world, which is really something we're proud of for our community impact, um, because it's not just us saying it it's also you know, kind of accredited by a third party that backs that up as well. So I think that um, you know, we, we recognize that fast food is not good to consume. You know, it, it might be fun occasionally, but the same thing is fast fashion. Back to the, what I said in the beginning, I think about it and I know Brittany thinks the same way is if Parker or Clay was in one of those factories making one of those fast fashion items, I wouldn't tolerate it. I would do whatever it took to get them out of that factory. And what if that was your son, daughter, brother, sister, mom, dad, you know, so we got to think about the people behind these products. And I think that when we start to do that, it will in, you know, re kind of re make us rethink the way that we consume and buy things. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I, I think more and more people, at least I hope, um, but I am, I'm seeing it. You know, you, you said this is really, it's a movement that is, it's, it's growing and people are becoming more and more aware of these things. And I think with consumers, um, so many people are starting to realize, you know, when it comes to fast fashion, the, the longevity of items, like an item shelf life or, or what have you, um, things just don't last. <laughs> and when you look at things that are, are more carefully curated and made, they tend to last longer. Um, and which is why I think it's so great that, you know, you, you have this focus on sustainable leather goods and your bags, like leather tote bags, those, from my experience, those things tend to really last. Um, So I guess if you wouldn't mind then switching gears and just talking a little bit more about product, and for those who don't know, who have never checked out your website, and also you have stores, and we'll get into that in a second, (laughs) Um, you know, for somebody who is unaware of the brand and interested to learn more, what can you share on the types of, you know, merchandise products you sell?
1: Yeah, we we love to make classic, beautiful bags, but bags that someone could just spot and be like, that's a Parker Clay. Tell me more about that. Or, you know, people, so you're, you're proud of your, the bag you're carrying because of the impact and you can tell the story. Our community um, is very engaged in the impact that we're making together. It's like um, there's one thing just to know where the factory location is, but to also know the stories that are coming out of there um, and the different aspects, like our skills training program or, um the way the production leaders are taking care of the other stitchers um in our groups and so we love to share those things with our community and have them be able to you know be the voice for for impact that we're making together and so yeah we we love to design bags that people would wear every day um we source everything from ethiopia with the leather and it's a byproduct of the meat industry. We um, do small batches from the tannery and we make everything in our factory. So start to finish straight to Ethiopia to Santa Barbara, California.
2: (laughs) I I think the other thing to add too is like, you know, I think for some people they might hear Ethiopia and have, um, you know, concepts of, oh, is that good quality? Or I didn't know things like this come from Africa. And I think we also want to go absolutely some of the best things come from Africa. And it's one of the reasons why we put a lifetime guarantee around our products, and we have very low returns from any issues happening, you know, or even just because you got it and didn't like it. I mean, so we put a lot of time, thought, and the quality that goes into it is something that's really important because, you know, just as you may think from a place in Europe, right, you buy something and it's going to be the best quality in the world. Well, you know, when we discovered that the leather was being shipped to Europe or Italy, we knew that there was a... Quality premium material that we could use in Ethiopia, and we found the ways to manufacture it in the best qualities, and the best ways, and the best structures. And so, from the look to the overall uh, quality and durability and longevity of it, that's something that we are proud of, and really spent a lot of time making sure is 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 there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brittany, you said like there's so many different pieces that you offer. And I mean, for anybody who hasn't yet checked out your website or anybody who lives out in California, I mean, I I can't recommend it enough. You have some really beautiful pieces. And I think that brings me to my next question about opening up stores. When did that come into play? Um, When did you decide? Because I believe you have three stores in total now or now or now or now or now which is incredible. And so how did that process come about? And I I know like it's a gradual process, right? But how did that sort of come about in terms of that conversation and making that move um, and and now having four stores?
1: Yeah. I mean, our first store in Santa Barbara, our flagship store happened pretty much out of necessity. (laughs) We were kind of maxing out our garage with all of our inventory and shipping, you know, from our house. I was selling bags to people that wanted to buy them, you know, at the kids' schools or around town and um, shipping out orders. And we were also needing to like start hiring people. So we're like, okay, we needed a location. So we found our first location and there was a beautiful frontage area of the office that was a retail space. And um, yeah, it was kind of an all-in-one shop for a few years until we were getting too tight in that space with our inventory and kind of split that over to its own warehouse and took over the space for retail. And it's been doing, that location has been doing amazing ever since. But yeah, this past year we have opened three other locations in San Luis Obispo, LA, and Denver. So that's really exciting too
0: yeah, I, I think it's just amazing what you've been able to do with it over time. And I, I think, like you said, you both had a background in business. but stepping into this, launching this company, doing it sort of abroad as well and and just having sort of your feet in both in both countries and operating operating this business, I think it's really, really incredible, especially after you know, the pandemic. And I know I, I've talked about this on on handling it with so many different. Uh, entrepreneurs over the past two years, because it's even crazy that it's been two years of this pandemic. Um, but I just think it's so uh, so interesting, at least for me personally, to see how people really maneuvered through it. Right? For for you both, how did that process go for you? How I, I know you know everybody was really purchasing everything online, um, and luckily with you know an online platform. Um, Did you see, you know, sales rise during that period? Um, What were sort of the conversations you were seeing or the trends you were seeing amongst your consumers?
2: I I mean, definitely the pandemic pushed a lot of people online. So e-commerce really jumped uh, and grew significantly year over year. Um, And so that was a big boost, you know, to overall to online businesses, which the majority of our business is online you know, direct to consumer. So that was, that was good. And, you know, we were able to still uh, obviously we kept uh, things, our, our factory open. Um, But what we did is we knew that we had some uh, within our team that had more um, immune compromised challenges. And so we made sure and set them home and paid them and took care of them and and make sure we set, you know, kind of spread out the space.
1: In Ethiopia and in the U S
2: Yeah. And we also were able to even manufacture some um, um, healthcare front worker masks and things like that in Ethiopia, which was, was awesome. Um, You know, I I think with Brittany and I, we, it was, it was challenging, of course, for everyone. Um, So many unknowns. um, uh, And, and, you know, I think everyone was just looking at the unknowns and the challenges that they were facing both in, in professional work, but also, personal life as well and so you know we tried to communicate uh, even more right like almost daily conversations making sure that we were visible um still made trips back to ethiopia because i think in a lot of ways ethiopia was concerned like hey are you, is this going to just shut us down and we would physically make trips over there to ensure them that we are together um, or that we with them And I think that, you know, the saying and and kind of the motto is that obstacles illuminate opportunities and through a lot of the obstacles, you know, that they become kind of the way and the path that we navigate and become stronger and better because of it. And I think there's things that have kind of revealed that we probably wouldn't have looked at had we not faced, you know, a pandemic. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, we're fortunate that we've been able to still continue to grow through a pandemic and and scale the business and uh, continue to increase our workers and factory growth in Ethiopia. Um, You know, and it's kind of one of the unique things too, because even this last year, there's been challenges with supply chain and things like that, where for us having our own factory, that really hasn't impacted us because we are at the source. We have our own factory where we can control a lot of the demand and the, the inputs and things like that. So we were uh i think really well positioned to to get through it but um but you know on a personal front it's very challenging and to be a leader i think in those uh kind of crisis moments are very challenging um and really test you and i'm so proud of the team we have and the people we have that are part of parker clay and the community that we have that has been around us because that has sustained us as well who you know have stood by us through those challenging moments and to be I think really authentic with people and just go, look, we're going through the same challenges you all are. We don't know what this is going to look like, but we're going to talk through it. You know, we're going to be yeah, visible I think that through was it.
1: Like one of the most beautiful things is like everybody, is, was ha- everybody was having a lot of challenges. Everybody was, you know, exhausted and dealing with their own work position or their family having to homeschool children, whatever it may be. But they were choosing when they did purchase things that they valued, things that were important to them. And, you know, we were very clear how they could get involved, you know, and how we can also um, support them as well as our community.
0: It's, it's so true. I think with, I mean, so many of us and and during the pandemic, so many of us were home, everybody was home and we had a lot of time to sit with our thoughts and a lot of time to think about, like you just said, Brittany, think about the things we cared about. And as a result of that, like, what are we purchasing? What are we consuming? And I also think, you know, to your point, Ian, it was, I mean, it was a learning curve for us all, right? No one, could have ever, you know, imagined we'd, we'd all be going through that as a, as a globe, right. As, um, as a country too, in the U S and, uh, I, I think I kept thinking like sort of my motto <laughs> was Ross from friends, his pivot line, cause everybody was pivoting. People were just learning how to pivot and maneuver around. I mean, this, this crazy situation and this devastating situation that we were in. In um, businesses, that's why uh, you know, with handling it, I really wanted to sort of pivot a lot of conversations that I was having to focus on businesses and focus on entrepreneurs and founders and and what are people doing? What are the conversations individuals are having during during the pandemic about their brands, about their consumers, their audiences, how they're reaching people? And to me, it was just. You know, very interesting, and I I also think what you, what you said Ian about you know supply chain and having your own factory. I think that's that's really um, really incredible. Um, but yeah, so I I think like I said, I, I just think it's all been uh, just a wild. It's been a wild ride the past few years. Um, but I think it's really inspiring to see how companies like your own have really grown from it and taken away a lot. So with that said. Um, I'm also just curious with your sort of expertise in business and your your journey on this on this ride with Parker Clay. Um, for you both, uh, you both as entrepreneurs, as entrepreneurs that are are founders, and you know a, a couple, uh, and doing this whole this whole journey together. What have been, in your opinions, some of the joys and the challenges that you've faced as as entrepreneurs having your own own business? (laughs) Yeah, I would say it's very challenging being
1: an entrepreneur. You know, nothing is ever the same. Everything's always changing. Uh, We both love learning and being challenged and trying new things. So I think that's helped us be a little bit more flexible to um, you know, like pivot when different challenges come up, whether that's in Ethiopia here in the US or getting product over here. Um, so that's something that really helped us. We we're both like, we both really love being in Ethiopia, working on products and with our team there and um, just being a part of that process, but being able to take those and share those with the world here on the US side or, you know, around the globe is so exciting. And I think, that really brings, gives us both life, like on a daily basis. We love working together on that. And we both kind of know our place in the business too. You know, I'm the creative director. I stay in the design and, um, Ian manages a lot of the other things as well.
2: Oh, come on. Let's be honest, Brittany, you run it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. We do have We do have fun. And I, mm-hmm. I think that you know, that doesn't mean that it doesn't come without massive challenges, right? Because we've got, um, you know, we're both husband and wife. We've got different roles in the business as co-founders. So um, it feels like there's different hats that are kind of coming on and off, you know, constantly. And that can be one of the challenges. But, you know, and I think that sometimes the highs are higher and the lows are lower, maybe because of that. But really, like, to know that, like, I don't, I think Brittany and I have, I, I don't think, I know, we both have such complete trust in each other that, you know, that takes down a lot of the walls that might be there with other relationships and and work and things like that, where you never, you never, maybe a little bit always questioning the motives or intentions of the other person. I think that Brittany and I both know that we're just back to back, you know, helping to do this and that we're really passionate about what we do. Um, You know, I think that it's so important to understand that why behind what you do and for us, we're both deeply passionate about it. So we work hard and it's, you know, I think the entrepreneur word can definitely come across as kind of a sexy word that is often thrown out there, um, you know, and I, I think after a few years of doing this now, we recognize recognized that that, that that comes with some heavy weight as well. It is hard um, to, you know, navigate all the pieces that come along with that, especially as you're growing, right? For a small business, it's hard. Um, and in a different way as you're growing as a company and scaling, so many things come with that, um, that, that bring challenges that you can't, you don't always know, you know, what to expect, but, um, but I think it's important that you are passionate about it. And then you really, you know, when you work, it's not, it's not like work. It's, it's really kind of a joy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, for sure. You have to have to have <laughs> a little bit of passion in in what you do to really, um, To not only get the joy out of it, but to just have it be rewarding and fulfilling for your soul. Um, And I think what you both have been able to do through not only empowering women and, you know, creating uh, a workspace, a community of, of workers that are, you know, you're helping so many people and empowering and giving people a platform and a space and, as a result, you're also creating this incredible product and an incredible brand that so many people love. We, we talked about earlier, just creating pieces that have such longevity and, and doing that you, you have things that last. And I think that's, what's really great about sustainable things is they last. And, Then that's the stuff that, at least for myself, like to have pieces that last long and that's stuff that you can, you know, carry with you literally throughout life, in this case, baggage, right? Mm -hmm. And you can carry things with you throughout life. I think that's what's, you know, really worth it, I would assume, as as entrepreneurs and creating product and then putting that out there in the world. So with that said, I'd love for you to share what, if anything, you can tease. I know at the moment you have a new bag coming out. It's really cute. I just saw, I think it's the Avila mini bag. Avila
1: mini bag. Avila mini
0: bag. Yes, I love that one. (laughs) Yes, I just saw pictures online. They look beautiful, adorable, very cute, a lot of colors. So what can you tease as to either products you're working on or different launches I'm passing the mic back over to you both.
1: Well, we both probably have different things to tease based on, you know, our different jobs, but I'll tease my thing first. Um, yeah, we have a lot of bags coming out. I would say maybe six different products till the end of the year. So a lot of beautiful things coming out. I love the Avalon mini bag and it's at a wonderful price point under a hundred. It, um, it's our first time to do really bright, fun colors. So I'm excited to
0: get those out there. Yeah. Like I said, I saw the the pictures and they looked great. Um, And I'll also be, you know, plugging all the social handles for Parker for Play <laughs> so that people can just see what I'm talking about and go check it out for themselves. But yeah, it's
1: going to yeah. be the perfect holiday gifts for people as well. For sure. Yeah.
2: yeah this, it's exciting to get into the holidays and gifting. Um, you know, we've been working with companies like Netflix or NBC or American Express and Delta to do Different events and activations for them, so we can add co-branding and um, customization to some of our bags, and that's been really fun to to do. And I think a lot of these companies are wanting more meaningful gifts as well. So you know, whether it's employee gifting, event gifting, um, you know, we love to get involved in those stories as well. So that's something that gets really exciting during the holiday season. Um, and then the other piece that's actually really exciting. Um, which uh, I can't reveal all the the pieces of it yet, but we're going to be doing something really, really fun to engage the community um, really in a very unique way that's not going to be just buying bags, but asking the community to be part of this with us in uh, a very unique way. So um, that will be coming out hopefully very soon. Um, But um, yeah, it's going to be, again, a unique way for the community to be part of Parker Clay with us, um, you know, in, in, a, in a very tangible, different way than just buying a product. So that'll be hopefully coming up, um, oh. here shortly.
0: Awesome. Well, I will stay tuned nonetheless. Now I'm excited to hear what it is. Yes. Um, but I, I, think also I would love to, to sort of know, and now you don't have to give me your five-year plan, right? But I'd love to know just as, you know, as entrepreneurs, as co-founders and CEOs of this company, and just as individuals, like where do you see yourselves and Parker Clay going over the next few years?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll go first. Um, We really want to create more impact. So just providing a lot more jobs. And that's just about bringing awareness to Parker Clay here and around the world, really, um, so that we are able to create that larger impact. And we just moved factories, but it feels like every, you know, few years here, every couple of years, we are growing and having to move into a larger space. So continuing to do that so we can not only produce products for Parker Clay, but also do more of those co-branding and other opportunities um, for others. For sure.
2: Yeah. And and I think what's really important too for us is is really just building a great brand that people love, that people know about. Um, You know, I think sometimes we throw out dollar signs and dollar numbers and things like that. And that's great, right? We want to be a, a business that can compete with the global fashion brands of the world and tell a story of made in Africa, um, that there is a fashion capital uh, in the world besides Europe or, you know, LA, New York, Paris. Um, And so I think that's something we really want to bring attention to. And then while doing it, we want to empower women to thrive. And I think that's, you know, a really big thing that we want to focus on and see that to happen, not just hundreds, but thousands and hopefully tens of thousands, if not millions of women, that can be impacted by parker clay existing and being out in the world um that consumers and community can be part of this with us so you know when we look at the big name brands of the world we believe parker clay can be one of those brands and doing it in a way where it is empowering women to thrive
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i think there's something truly you know essential when it comes to companies about just keeping everything simple right Focusing, I feel like it's easy when it comes to any sort of individual with an idea, right? It's got to be, it's got to be life-changing. It's got to change the world. And while that is great and love that, but I think when it comes to creating products and creating a company, like let's just focus on creating something that people trust, right? A brand that people trust, products that people trust. And I think that's what really gets people involved and in coming back and, and interested in your impact, your ethos, um, your mission statements, all of those things. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, r- reaching high and having these, you know, high highs that you want to reach, but then also just, you know, focusing on the simple stuff too is, is super important. But um, like I said, you have you have clearly some awesome stuff happening and in, in the works, and I'm excited to stay tuned. And I will be, you know, linking up everything and putting the handles and your store locations and everything in the episode notes for everybody. But uh, I always like to conclude, guys, on a piece of advice, right? And with this being handling it, I'd love to know if there has been throughout your journey with Parker Clay um, doing this together has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that you both have learned that's really helped you guys sort of handle it and handle your life with this?
1: I would say not, um, doing it by ourselves. So our, one of our taglines is we go together and every step of the way from us moving to Ethiopia, being in Ethiopia, coming back, um, from Ethiopia and growing this business. so we, we do it together. So, um, you know, sharing the needs, sharing resources and um, creating impact together is is definitely, I think the, my advice for, for other entrepreneurs.
2: I'm going to, I mean, and I'm going to agree with that. We, we use a quote that is an African proverb often. And it's, it's off of what Brittany says. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that's, that's really, there's a lot of wisdom in that, you know, and, and I think we've seen that through a pandemic, through all of the challenges that we have faced in the last few years, um, that going together is what enables us to do so much more. And it is so much more rewarding and helpful. And um, I think find, you know, your community, find the people that align with those values. Actually, find some people that don't, Right hear their voices, grow, learn, like community isn't just this, everybody looks and says the same thing. I think it's actually a healthy discourse of, of communication and put people around you. Like I love having people on my team that don't just agree with what I say. they are people that actually give me different ideas and it makes the ideas so much better. Um, so I think go together is a huge part. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you both gave, there's no incorrect answers, but you both (laughs) definitely gave the right (laughs) answers. I do. I think it's so awesome that you both have, you know, you started this company together. You've grown this company tremendously since its founding. And I think what you both have done together, but also to your, both of your points, like what you've done with just the community of people you surround yourself with and I think that's really important for anyone. I mean, I'm no entrepreneur, right? But I think that's important for anyone starting a business or anybody with an idea to do whatever it is. Um, sort of what I did with podcasting, right? I'm a one-woman show, but I surround myself constantly with people asking their opinions. Am I, did you like this episode? Did I, you know, what do you think of this conversation? And it's it's all about that, getting people's opinions and, and, and doing things with, uh, you can do things solo, but make sure you have a group around you through the process as well. Um, Make sure you sort of have that. Yeah. People doing it together with you. So um, thank you both so much for coming on. It was so great meeting you and hearing your story. I think you're just doing incredible things with
2: this. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks Catherine. Great to have you. Yeah.
0: Okay, everybody. I hope you liked this episode with Brittany and Ian. I absolutely love speaking with business owners and discovering companies that have wonderful initiatives and products as well. So if you'd like to learn more about Parker Clay, or maybe you're ready to start your holiday shopping a little early, there's social media handles and a link to their website in the episode description. Thank you to Ian and Brittany so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now, and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.